for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. A huge part of being successful at hunting and finding elk is being able to read their sign, knowing what to look for, what it means if you're seeing sign but not seeing elk. For a first-time elk hunter, it could take years to learn to decipher everything involved when reading elk sign. But guys and gals, it's nothing that a few visits to old elk camp won't be able to help you out with. In this episode, your elk hunting coaches are going to help you with understanding elk sign as well as closing the gap on elk and one of my favorite subjects, counting coup. So my friends, pull up a chair, adjust your volumes just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by elkgrows.com with your host, Gilbert Ornelas and elk hunting coach, Joe Gillian. You want to hunt elk and they live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Hello again, everyone. If it's your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy the show. And for those blue collar hunters following us out there, welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Ornelas, coming to you from Spring, Texas, and joining me from New Mexico, your elk hunting coaches, Joe Gillia and Leroy Chav Chavez. Hey, everybody. Glad to be hey. back. How you doing? Good morning. All right, fellas. First things first, right now it's time for our Elk Bros shout-outs. If you're new to the show, these are our shout-outs to just a few cities with the most listeners topping our charts this week. Yep, topping our charts, and we really want to thank all of these listeners, Gilbert. Man, we're even going to give a little shout-out at the end here to a little special thing, but like uh, I was telling you guys earlier, the ball's been rolling. This has just been awesome, and thank you so much to our listeners out there because we are on the verge. We are 300, less than 300 downloads away from our 10,000th 
download, man. So What a milestone, Joe. Oh, it is, man. It's so cool. <laughs> but like I said, remember we were talking, we were like, uh, man, <laughs> Gilbert, we had 30 listens this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We br- keep breaking our wet record every week too, Joe. Oh, so man, fantastic. We want to so thank all our cool viewers. Watch that. So let's give them some kudos out there. Top in the chart this week, this town, Born from the creation of an 1870 trading post that was built on the side of a river, became Oklahoma's first oil boom town and the home of Phillips Petroleum. Bartlesville, Oklahoma. Yeah! Bartlesville, <laughs> Oklahoma. Been there many times. Really, uh, man? Yeah, well, for, for you guys that don't know, uh, I spend most of my life in the oil patch. And so, yeah, I've done a lot of work up in Bartlesville, uh, up in Ada, up in uh, Ponca City. I mean, all those little towns up in Oklahoma, Oklahoma City as well. But uh, when I worked for Smith International, Ponca City was our home. That was where our manufacturing facility was. Well, Phillips has a huge connection over here. Yeah, we have a big tie-in to uh, Phillips Petroleum, you know, yes, with sir. the Philmont Scout Ranch. Yeah. Yes, sir. Totally. Yeah, uh, it's now Conoco Phillips. Uh, so at the time, Burlington Resources sold out. And now it's Conoco Phillips. Well, thank you guys out there for listening. Okay, the next uh, shout out goes to another Western town, a great place for amusement parks, pools, and playtime because more than one third of the city's population is made up of people under the age of 18, making it a town full of young people. A uh, shout out to Layton, Oklahoma, uh, Layton, Utah. Leighton, Utah in the Leighton, house. Leighton, Utah. You almost threw them into Oklahoma. That's yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I tell you what, it's, I, I watch a lot of pictures and look at a lot of stuff online, and there are some giant bulls in Utah. Oh, yeah. Huge yeah. bulls. Next up, named for King Louis XVI of France, this historic community is known for its festivals, its small-town character, and its big city resources. Lewisburg, North Carolina. So my question is, because they said it's for King Louis of the Louis the Sixteenth of France. So is that Lewisburg? And you probably don't know because they don't have an oil field. Yeah, 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 but I think it's I think it's Louisville. It may be Louisburg. Yeah. 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 Yep. And if it's, hey, guys, if we if we threw you under the bus, give us a yell, man. Educate yeah, us. Yeah, correct us, because I'm telling you, <laughs> my grammar's is pretty rough. <laughs> uh, up next, their favorite tunnel to go through is the 12th Street Tree Tunnel, and it's the home port to the Navy's precision flying team, the Blue Angels, Pensacola, Florida. Blue Angels, man, that is a childhood memory for me. Uh, we never miss seeing the Blue Angels yeah. every year. Yeah, I was just in Pensacola, Florida about three weeks ago playing ball. So it's a neat town uh, and uh, a beautiful city. Well, one of their sayings is, we live where you vacation. <laughs> no doubt. No <laughs> doubt. Bet, man. So uh, last but not least, the folks that live here are no strangers to Buffalo. The three largest herds in Kansas are found here on the Maxwell Game Preserve. No, not in New Mexico because we have a game preserve in Maxwell, New Mexico. But this is Kansas. McPherson, Kansas. I'm sorry, it's McPherson, Kansas. 
McPherson, Kansas. McPherson, Man, got, Kansas. The three largest herds of buffalo are in Kansas. Well, it, the three largest herds in Kansas are found in McPherson Mac, on, oh, on their reserve there. Right, yeah, right. yeah. So I also want to give those shout-outs I talked about to our overseas listeners. I mean, how cool is this? So for you guys listening out there, our, Canada, Canada, thank you. Spain. Hola, and I'm not going to be able to do this for everybody, but Germany, V Gates. You know, uh, we got a lot of people from Germany listening out here. Austria, and uh, we have Austria, Australia. Anybody, anybody want to say hello to our Australian buddies out there? Hey, mate. Right? <laughs> Mexico. Yeah, crikey. Mexico. And this one really blew me out of the water. We have listeners in Kenya. In Kenya, Africa, Brazil, yeah. Norway, Denmark, and Romania. So huge shout out. If you guys are listening, uh, we so appreciate you coming all the way over and checking out elk hunting over here in the U.S., man. So uh, that is just so, so cool. Awesome. All right, guys. It's, a, it's time to talk about elk sign. There we go. Chav, I'm going to lead it off with you. What would you say is the one thing that really tells you that elk are in the area? Well, um, you know, there's a, there's a, all types of sign, but I think for me, uh, I would think that uh, the smell and the sight of, of elk droppings in an area, um, you know, the elk droppings, you can tell if they're, if they're relatively fresh. You know, if you see steam coming out of them, you know, uh, put your nose up in the air and, and smell around and, and look ahead because if there's steam coming out of them, they're very close. Uh, if they're still soft and no steam, you're still in the same general area. And it would depend on, on if they're heading out of the area or if they're still uh, hanging around. So uh, I, I would say, you know, scent and uh, the elk droppings. And, uh, you know, the elk droppings, I'm sure most of you have seen them, but those of you that haven't, uh, they're uh, pretty big. Yeah, right. Pretty uh, big. Like much bigger than a deer. Yeah, they're like a deer, but bigger, way bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I would think that the bulls probably have a bigger dropping than, than the cows. Uh-huh. And uh, there is a time during uh, the early uh, hunting season when uh, there's a lot of moisture in the air. Good grass. And good grass that sometimes the droppings aren't even pellets. They're, they're kind of look like a cow. Uh, more clumpy yeah clumpy they plop right so yeah. you know don't mistake that with being a cow in the area it, it could be an elk dropping if there, there's a total lot of moisture right yeah. right yeah moisture would be the main thing and i guess the fresh fresh uh, green, like green. green grass you know the really green stuff yeah as it gets along uh later in the season uh the grass won't be as green and and uh, they'll start eating different things drier right Right, but uh, yeah, if you come upon uh, a fresh pile with little steam, uh, you know, get your nose in the air. And well, and that pile, it's going to be, it's going to be green too. Right, uh, it's going to be green. It's going to be soft, and you can almost, I mean, you can run your foot over top of it. And I mean, it just smushes down like, like uh, paint cream. You know, I mean, uh, you can really uh, tell that that is fresh just by the color the size and the fact that the way it smushes down yeah, texture, almost yeah. yeah almost like like you're icing a cake a kind of a right. disgusting cake but <laughs> yeah. but you know going back to what you said before 
number one is smell because I tell everybody when you're hunting out there, we have a tendency because of the world that we live in and, you know, our everyday life that we avoid odor. And so when we're doing things, a lot of times we're not paying attention to all of our senses. We're out there. We either just look in, uh, we're not looking and listening and we're not looking, listening and smelling. A lot of times that smell will come by and people that have never smelled it the first time, you know, and you point it out to me like, Oh, that's what that is. But they have that definite musty, uh, pungent, and sometimes I, I like to say a little bit of a licorice yeah, smell yeah. to it. It seems like early in the year, yeah, uh, you know, there's uh, the licorice plants out there, or anise or anise, whichever way you yeah. want to pronounce it. Uh, yeah. They eat a yeah. lot of that, so uh, yeah, but I, it, it, yeah, you can smell them. Yeah, they actually, but man, you will. It's real close to a cattle smell, but. To me, it's sweeter than it a cattle yeah. smell. And if you catch that smell, understand you have animals very, very close. Either you have animals close or you have urine on the ground pretty close to where you're at, one or the other, which both mean the same thing. Right. If you have urine on the ground and it hasn't burned off and it still has this scent, you know, that urine has been there you know since that evening at least that night so you do have elk in the area and when you were talking about the bulls and the cows some people say that uh a bull's dropping when it's not doing the plop thing and it has a size to it they say that it'll have a dimple on one side you know and a point on the other whereas a cow will have points on both sides um, I've heard people that have questioned that, but, you know, like you said, definitely that it's going to be a little yeah. bit bigger. Yeah, and, they'll look like an acorn. It's, uh, mm -hmm. you know, you take off that cap. Right. kind of tapered at the end. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a great example, Chad. Yeah. Right you know, so the smell, man, elk sign number one. And this is what we tell people that have never been out to hunt elk before. And you're so worried about finding animals. There's two huge things that those elk are going to help you with. Number one, they're vocal. It's that's your that's your mm -hmm. biggest sign out there as these guys start talking. Yeah. They're herd animals. If you're, you know, depending on what part of the rut you're hunting, or if you're hunting later in the rifle season, even all the way into December, these guys are sounding off. Okay. Yeah. And cows are always sounding off year round. Very vocal. Yeah, we've been walking through the walking through the forest and just you know we move slowly and and listen. And man, I can't tell you how many times they've given themselves away up ahead of us. Uh, you know, you, generally we're downwind of them if you're doing it the right way. And that's that sound helps carry that uh, or that wind helps carry that sound to you. And I can't tell you how many times I've learned I heard a little calf you know, mew or a, a cow whine and you're like, uh oh man, we're we're really close. And as soon as you pop out there into a little park or whatever it may be, there there they are. And you know, a lot of people that again have never experienced that, when they're walking yeah. through the woods and they hear a whole bunch of cows chirping, they mistake it for birds. Yeah, no, no doubt. And there are some yeah, birds yeah, in the elk yeah, woods. Yeah, yeah. There are some birds in the elk woods that'll that'll fool you too. Yeah. There's some yeah, crackles yeah. and stuff like that that'll <laughs> Man, you hear that and you're like, 
oh man, you get all excited. You're like, you see this grackle flying by, and you're like, man, that ain't fair. Yeah, there's <laughs> one one bird in particular. Yeah, that just kind That'll of sounds almost like him. But uh-huh. if you do hear a, a lot of cow calls and uh, calf calls, uh, and there doesn't seem to be any type of uh, urgency. Yep. You know you're really close, and they don't know you're there. So you got to be right. wide awake. Yeah. So yeah. the sound was the huge number one, and the second one is their smell. I mean, yeah. uh, you can smell those animals from way off. And understand if if you get down into an area, and a lot of people say, well, they're seeing sign, but they're not seeing animals. Well, if you're down in a park, and remember, guys, when we say park, we're not talking about your neighborhood park that the city pays for. Mm. Meadow. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. talking about a meadow. Uh, we're talking about a Field. transition into an mm-hmm. opening. Uh, uh, some people call them fields, yeah. So if you come down in there and you're finding fresh droppings and you're, you've got, you can see urine or smell the urine in the area, but you're not seeing any animals, that does not mean that the, that the animals have just disappeared. They've just moved out from their feeding area and they're moving up into their bedding area. So a good thing to do is to really, man, you pull out your onyx right there, take a gauge on what those thermals are doing, where the wind's coming from. If you have wind coming from a certain direction and the thermals that are, are heading down, there's a good, good opportunity to understand that they might be heading in that direction. But look at that onyx and check out where is that bedding area that I've marked before during my scouting and I'm down here in the bottom because they're most likely heading that way. All right. So just because you are seeing sign, but you're not seeing animals doesn't mean that all is lost because if you're seeing fresh sign, those animals are in the area. Okay. Yeah. They're pretty close. They're in the vicinity. And sometimes in those meadows, um, you know, there's a heavy dew in the morning. Mm-hmm. You can see a line going right through them or, or more than one, and, and that's elk moving through that area. Could, could be a bear, too, I guess. Well, yeah, it could, but, but generally, <laughs> generally there'll be more yeah, than one more line. Than one. And, you'll, right. and you'll kind of get an idea of what direction they're heading also. Yeah. You get so one line, it could be a bull or it could be a bear. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's huge because now we're talking about, as sign, we're talking about elk trails. Right. And there, there's the trail that most people are used to where – you know, you go up on the side of a hill and it kind of looks like a cattle trail moving up and down. Or we have mm-hmm. found um, high, what we call elk highways where they really like to move from a lower area to an upper area. Right. And I mean, it is just, it, it is it looks loud like a cow trail. Yeah. Yes, it does. So that's something that, uh, that we talk about, you know, uh, old trails versus fresh trails. And you can definitely tell that because uh if you're seeing uh where those tracks are dug in if you're seeing where the the dirt like you said in the morning it's kind of damp sometimes and Mm -hmm. you can see a difference in fresh and wet when you're doing that and it's just flat torn up and like chav said a huge one that most people don't notice is the grass trails going through the parks and that's right yeah, that's, that's a, a, a big one, guys. If you see those grass trails and it looks like they're leading down into a park in the morning, it's not. It's coming, coming out up. of the park yeah, that's and right. they're going up on the side of the hill. So turn around and, you know, sometimes it's easier to see those because it's where the grass gets wet and right. they knock that off. And you can definitely see a change of color 
in that grass. And if you can see where that where they're headed, man, you can turn and they're aiming right to where they're headed towards their bedding. Okay. Yep. So great thing to follow and something that we use quite a bit on that are those trails. Um, we talked about their urine. And early in my career, that's a huge, huge, huge sign for you, especially if you find that in a bedding area. And if you find it in a bedding area, because all elk, and we're going to combine the, the beds with this, all elk, uh, when they get up out of their bed, they generally stand up because they've been bedded for a long time. So you guys think about yourself. You know, what wakes you up in the middle of the night, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. When you get up out of bed, man, you're heading to the bathroom. Same thing. Those critters will stand up and they wet the bed, basically. So, right. you know, there you are. And you can pretty much tell if it's a cow or a bull by where you see that puddle of urine on that bed. If it's splattered down on the edge or outside of that bed, that's a cow. And, and all this comes down to is anatomy, all right? So when she stands up, she's, she's urinating from the rear end. That bull is, he's going, you're going to find that puddle. Uh, midway. Yeah, midway yeah. right in the middle of that bed, and, and it's more stream-oriented. Mm -hmm. There's not as much splattered. So that kind of gives you an idea. But if you're hunting in September um, and you're hunting after the, you know, after the, the early September uh, pre-rut, man, most of the time, if you're finding those cows, that's all you got to worry about because, you, like Gilbert says, you know, if you're going to fish, got to use the right bait. That's it. And that is the right bait. Uh, those bulls are not going to let those cows go unattended. Yep. They're going to come find them. And they use their nose to do that. Sure do. Right. Now, something that I used to do, Early in my career, <clears throat> my wife wasn't too happy with it, but I, I was real well known for getting down and rolling. Whenever I'd find a, an area of elk here, and I'd get down and just rolling it like a, like a crazy little dog <laughs> or something, you know. Mm. Um, and it really worked well for me. I kind of use it as a cover scent. The only problem is if you are using your nose uh, to Stays find these animals – <laughs> yeah. Now you've just messed with anybody else hunting with you that's downwind. They're not going to sure. ever smell the animals and it's going to do the same thing to you. So I kind of backed off of doing that when I started hunting with more guys because right. it, it it's so important to be able to to smell those animals right, out yeah. there. Well, I've been with you, I've been, yeah, I've been with you many times, Joe, and you know, we both look at each other and go, oh, <laughs> you yeah, know, we're yeah. pointing at our nose, man, we can smell them and and when you can smell them, they're close. And most guys with me, you know, they can tell when I'm smelling them because I look just like a dog on elk, man. I start sticking my nose up there and sniffing and getting a, <laughs> getting yeah. a good nostril full. True. But the beds, that, where you're going to find elk beds, y'all, and you can tell them a deer bed and an elk bed are different size. You know, a, a deer bed's going to be probably, uh, probably about uh, three foot or so. And uh, that, that elk bed is going to be, you know, good four foot, four and a half foot there in size. And you're going to find them up in the thick, dark timber on the sides of the hills. And generally, I mean, it's kind of what I call the, the gray, dark timber. Mm -hmm. You know, you get in there, everything's kind of gray. 
dark. It's, there's a lot of dirt. There's not a whole lot of grass. There'll be downfalls, but they'll be on the side and they'll just, they'll kind of on the edge, they'll find a little level spot and they'll bed down up inside there. And that's where their afternoon bedding areas are. Their nighttime bedding areas are down in the bottoms where they're in feeding, where, they're, yep. Yep, yeah, in the where they're catching water. So you'll find them in different places there. Chad, I didn't mean to cut you off. You had something to add. Oh, I, it's already. Yeah, already gone. <laughs> it's, it's, gone. It's gone. Yeah. I was afraid of that. <laughs> Usually when Chad talks to everybody, listens, he's like yeah. EF hunting, you know, EF so hunting I here. need to, I need to shut up. <laughs> uh, tracks, you know, yeah, we've talked about smell. We've talked about sound. Talked about droppings. We've talked about their urine um, tracks. You know, when the biggest telltale sign of an animal moving through an area is tracks. If you're wanting to find tracks, find those areas where it's easier to see track, where there's big dirt areas um, and a crossing of a of a trail or a muddy area around water where water's hit around rocks and area, those kind of places where those tracks really stick out. And can you tell the difference between a bull and a cow? Um, you know, for me, most of the time, uh, I'm looking for singular tracks, Joe. Uh, most bulls are, they, they'll be, I, I guess some of them will be running together early in the season, but a lot of them will early. start branching off, you know, and they'll be by themselves. If there's multiple tracks, you got to figure there's some cows in there with it because they, they're just a herd animal, right? Right. And, and of different sizes. But those bigger tracks that you're seeing, I mean, a lot bigger and, and singular, most of those are bull tracks. Well, yeah, they're going to be they're going to be bigger, wider, more rounded at the tip. That's right. Kind of looks more like a cattle track than well, kind of like a young calf cow in a sense. Mm-hmm. Sometimes. Yeah, for me, they're you, they're very much. I mean, I've killed both cows and bulls, and their hoofs are a lot smaller than a bull, right? A cow's hoof is so. A, a cow's um, hoof's more pointed. That's right. It is more pointed. Yes, mm-hmm. sir. Yeah, and you know. Uh, Gilbert, you kind of hit it on the head at different times of the year. You know, you're going to see when you see three or four tracks together early season, that's those bulls bacheloring it up. You start seeing those singular tracks off there. That's those bulls splitting off there. And then you're going to start seeing a lot of track uh, where the cows and the bulls are together. So there's different phases when you're going to see those. And I can remember one morning hunting with you and we popped out into this park and we had a bull screaming ahead of us upwind. And it was like, <laughs> when he walked through that park, it, man, it was like he left a blood trail behind, right? I mean, he walked through that park and all the grass was laid down. It's just like he took a black marker and drew how he meandered up through that, through that meadow or park. And I mean, that, that was him. I mean, it was the only, there was no other elk in that park he was bugling sounding off trying to locate and he's just easing forward and uh we eventually caught up to him up there uh he he uh he beat us but at the end of the day we caught up to him and had a great encounter uh he decided he'd run off with some other bulls uh instead you you brought up a good word though that's good to talk about and that's meandering yeah because if you are following elk track and we've done this man we have just followed and tracked critters and uh 
you know, again, when they're in a big group, when a bull's with a bunch of cows, they leave a lot of sign going up and down on a hill and you can track them and follow them. And when you see those, when you, generally when you're following them, there's a whole bunch of critters, but you'll see that, man, all of a sudden they're all kind of going single file. They're going through the same trail. There'll be a couple go off to the side, three, four, five, go off and kind of start their own trail, depending on the size of the herd. But when you see that single file line, those critters are going somewhere. They know where they're going and they're, they're going to get there. When you start seeing those tracks start meandering like Gilbert's talking, when they start kind of going out, coming back in, going off from the group, no longer in single file, you had better start looking around because if <laughs> that means they're, they're feeding in the area or they're getting ready to bed in the area. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Carl Gamage and I and Scott Deaton were one morning were easing up through one of those parks and we'd been calling, had an unbelievable encounter with some bulls that we just couldn't get to lock down because they were with cows and they were herding those cows up and around and up and around and we're easing along and we're, we've got an elevated position to our left and a pretty good flat park here to our right. And we're easing along, just mewing and cow calling. And I hear something clink rocks right above me. And I turn and look, and it's three, three spikes looking down at us like, <laughs> like hey, man, what are y'all doing down there? Right? Uh, I'll never forget it. I look up, and got three L kids looking at us down there, like, <laughs> with big spikes. And You know, I, those, those spikes, they go through a tough time, man, at, at the rut. Because <laughs> they do. You know, what has happened is, is that, they're spending their life with the cows. I mean, the first two years of an elk's life, they're they're with the cows, man. And you'll see a lot of those young bulls mm-hmm. and those spikes and stuff stay with them. So here they are. They're they're wanting to stay with, you know, mama, mama aunt, <laughs> you yeah. know, and all of them, you know, they, they where they're comfortable. And you got these friggin' bulls start pushing them out of there and tell mm-hmm. them, you know, get the heck out of here, man. You know, get away. So a lot of times they're a little on the lost side. And they're just trying to find anybody to group up with. Yeah, man. Were, man. Real vulnerable. Real vulnerable. Yeah. yeah. And good eating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're big animals. You know. Yeah. Shame on them. I can animals. tell you that, Joe. Shame <laughs> on them. <laughs> so there's a lot of calls, man. There's a lot of things that you do are going to bring spikes into you. That's and, it. you know, those cow calls, uh, spikes are going to come in, you know, when they hear those roundup cow calls and stuff like that, oh. buddy. They, oh my they, gosh, Joe, how many <laughs> we've had just about run over us. Oh, you know, I mean, they're, yeah. they're goobers, you know, those big spikes are. So going back to the tracks, here's another thing though. All right. We talked about single file and then we talked about, we saw the meandering. So let's say you, you're go, going in and you see some Miran, meandering tracks and all of a sudden you see some of them that look like Man, they're deep and dirt is thrown up. And what has happened there is there was a group of elk that you were following that started to feed, started looking to bed down, and they spotted you and they blew out of there. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, you start seeing that kicked up dirt or you see see that grass kicked up or that snow kicked Mm. out, man. Uh, Yeah, they they have spotted you. It doesn't mean all is lost. What's that, Gilbert? More than likely, they smelled you. They got a little little gust from the gods or something like that, and boom, they're gone. <laughs> if, if they, they don't even need to see you. They can just if, smell you and be gone. If they smelled you, you're better off than if they saw you and blew out. For, for real, yeah. Because if they smelled you, they're going to go certain, 
you know, Distance. they're going to go in a direction to make sure they're yeah. not going to deal with you and then they're going to settle back down. So uh, if they see you, they might just go right over top of the hill there and go right. into a different Disappear. drainage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like yeah, that. they leave a pretty good depression and a lot of dirt when they're doing that. So there's still a chance you can follow them, you yeah. know, for, for a little ways to sure. see if they're really spooked or not or if they saw you or not. Yeah. But, but understand, they have one thing that they like to do. When they do that, when they go up on top of a ridge and when they're blowing and they're getting ready to go into another drainage, they'll go on the top of that ridge. They'll start going across it and one will turn and come back and will stand looking over that ridge on the back trail. So yeah, they, <laughs> they, they've got us figured out every now and then. Oh, they're man. They're sm- smart, they're critters. smart critters, man. Yeah. I'm telling you the smartest critter I've ever hunted. Yeah. You, that's like another, a lot of people don't understand too. Like, if you have a bull or a cow that's coming into you and they, they stop, man, and they stop and they're just standing there, they're staring. Okay. And you kind of see sometimes they'll lift a back foot maybe and start to do something. If you see those critters start to take a pee. Yeah. They're getting ready to bail. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's one of the things that they do is before they go out of an area and, and the mothers are real notorious for this when they have calves, but before they blow out of the area, they're going to urinate because it confuses a predator that's chasing them. It leaves that strong scent right there in that area. So uh, that that's something also just to kind of keep in your, your learning here as you guys are going along. Um, You know, if you see that happen, you know, don't draw back because they're on high alert. Yeah. You know, they're ready to skidoo. And most of the time it's going to be a horrible shot anyway, because yeah. they're probably quartering at you, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and, and they're nervous, they're locked in. So a good thing to do is just let them back out, let them go because they're still not quite, quite sure unless they've got a snoot of you, you know, yeah. unless they've got a nose full of you. Yeah. So they might kind of, go out nervous and you just leave it be and you kind of rework that again. Yeah. Okay. There's always a smart old cow that'll (laughs) take her time. Man, she'll, she'll wear you out, buddy. She's got so, (laughs) she got the patience of Job. Let me tell you, they will flat wear you down and in a standoff. You don't want that. I can just tell you it's, they're going to win. Well, when you're working with a herd, the ones that are controlling what's going on, is the are the cows man that lead cow is determining where they're going that that bull is pretty much just following just scent checking now if he's got other bulls that are starting to come in and push in on him he'll he'll start hooking some cows and stuff and tell him let's get with the program go where you want to go but let's get moving yeah Mm -hmm. yeah he'll start start pushing them wanting to get away from all them satellites yep yeah Another big thing we haven't talked about yet as far as sign goes is, is rubs. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a, it's a huge, it's a huge portion of us looking for where bulls have, uh, have spent some of their time, you know, uh, getting their, getting their, uh, velvet off of their antlers. And, uh, (laughs) (laughs) I know you buddy want, want us to say antlers there, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. I got a I got a text from Lance, uh, uh, just yesterday saying, good job, man. <laughs> and I told him, I told him, I said, dadgum biologist. And he's like, yeah. 
freaking rednecks. <laughs> he, he ruined our horn talk, Joe. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He says it's hard to put up with rednecks, man. We just have no have no uh, good English. But uh, as far as rubs go, there's there's two kinds of rubs you guys are going to come across out there. You know, you're going to come across those where they find themselves a tree. You know, anywhere from anywhere. I mean, it could be two inches in diameter to six inches in diameter. And they just, they're working that tree to get that velvet off of their horns. So if you think about that, that, that's when they're rubbing that velvet off. That's still early season. Mm -hmm. So where you're finding those rubs means, yeah, there's bulls that have been in that area, but that might not be where they're at right now. In some cases, there's not a lot of distance between that staging phase and where they're going to find the cows. In some places, there can be a pretty good distance from that staging phase to where they find the cows. It just kind of depends on the terrain and different things that, that affect that. Yeah, and you, you can tell from the freshness of the rub, too. If there's sap coming out, a lot of them use pines, right? That's what yep. gives those their antlers that real dark texture to them because that sap on the pine stains the horns but uh and gets in the dirt with that sap yeah absolutely and then one of the things you know that's a bull that's doing that so i always like to look how far up on the tree did he snap the top of it off right i mean if he's way up there you know that's a big bull they don't get on their hind feet to rub their horns uh at the end of the day when they're whipping a tree that's seven foot up and got it skin up pretty good you know that's a really good bull that's know? a good sized bull and and if it's all dripping and you can tell it's fresh it's not you know super dry and brittle if it's dripping and been pretty fresh within the last couple of days he's in the area well the tree branches the the pine needles are still green they haven't started right. browning yet and stuff right. like that that sap is still running on it and you know, again, like just depending on the date of when your hunt is, whether they're still in that staging area in the pre-rut or whether they're going to move on now uh, to where they're, you know, they're getting with their cows and they're herding up. Yeah. But the other kind of rub you're going to see is, is where they go and blow up trees. Oh, yeah. And this happens a lot of times uh, in when that rut is starting off because – that's how those bulls now are communicating dominance. And when they're, when they are um, displaying for cows to show, you know, that they're big and they're bad, you know, they hear another bull, that bull will go over and just start ripping up a tree, man. Just kind of displaying that, Hey, I'm the dominant bull here. I'm the big boy. Uh, I'm the one that you want to be with. So when you start finding those, in those parks, especially, man, you see like those four foot pines that have just been destroyed. Yeah. Or, or they get in juniper trees and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and they blow those up. Now you're looking at bulls that are with cows that are displaying, that are rutting. And, and these are really, that's a great, great time, man, that when, you know, raking a tree is one, I've said it before, it's the, cheapest and most effective elk call you can find mm-hmm. raking a tree yep. you know so you know pay attention to those rubs to the di- two different kinds the trees where they're getting off their their velvet and then when they're blowing up their bushes because in those in those small saplings because they're displaying they're being dominant and that's definitely an area where elk are at in, you know at that time amen yeah yeah i i, I 
I can't tell you how many times we've rolled through an area and seen just a huge line of rubs, right, where they they frequent it, you know, and it right. clues you it clues you into all right. Well, we're we're at least where they were at one time. Uh, let's read that sign and see how fresh that was, you know. Yeah, when um, you see that line like that, yeah. either that dude has been, you know, got a herd and just he's just frigging going off, man. He's just blowing up everything around because he got bulls that are getting him excited, getting him worked up, getting him aggressive, or it's a spot that's being visited quite a bit in the evenings by uh, a, a group, a, a herd group with a with a good herd bull in it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and just a little bit more about the about the rubs. Uh, you know, and then of course you can go there and, and not see anything for a week, but because of the heavy use, you know, sometimes it's like quarter, you know, going from one area to another and there just happens to be a tree in the way. So, yeah. you know, they'll tear it up. Yeah. And then, uh, wallers, you know, if you find a waller and they could be just about anywhere, you know, sometimes you're just walking and all of a sudden there's a waller right in the middle of nowhere, you know, they're able to locate those with their nose, of course. And, uh, you know, that's a, a good place to look, too, to see how uh, so explain, frequently they're being used. Explain to them what a wallow is, though. Well, a wallow could be just a, a, what looks like a spring. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be, a, a, you know, a couple of feet wide, or and it could be several feet wide. And it, uh, I guess it would be like a, a stock pond, mm-hmm. except a tiny one. And in some places, there's, it's just a, a wet spot where uh, they'll want to get down and, and dirty. And uh, they'll use it for, you know, for a variety of reasons, mainly to uh, cool off from the, the heat. But, uh, you know, I guess they can drink out of it, too, if they need to. Yeah, they, and it, it's really, and they scent themselves up because, you know, they jump up and down and, and they get that mud all over them. They, they urinate in it. They get themselves all scented up, all mudded up. It helps keep the bugs off of them. But it really makes them, it just, you hear us talk about a ruddy bull, you know, mm-hmm. that bull's a ruddy, a ruddy mm-hmm. bull, man, because he's just so uh, mudded and stunk up, you know, uh, yeah. he's been hit. I've seen him wallows. pure black. I mean, oh, yeah. they're they black, oh, yeah. we he's saw black with mud. Yeah, mm-hmm. we saw a giant one one year. Yeah. and I mean, totally black coming out of that stuff. And there's ways that you can tell if a wallow <laughs> is being used or, you know, if it's been used lately and, or if it hasn't, because you can go up there and if there is any water inside of it and that water's clear, nothing has hit that wallow. If you go in there and it's all browned up and I I love a real good wallow where a guy's getting down in there and he's throwing mud all over everything. You can, you can see the hair inside the mud on there, you know, really getting uh, worked up and covering himself up and, uh, like Chap said, it could be just uh, something small that you find a spring up there in the hills, or it could be it could be they'll wallow on the side sometimes of a of a big marsh, or they really love a pond with marsh on it, and they'll you'll see four, five, six different wallows in there where those animals are, are right. coming and in. Right, where water collects. You mm-hmm. know? 
Yeah, and if it's, up, if it's up high enough, sometimes it's a midday waller. You know, I know several guys that I've talked to, they <clears> use trail cams to put on those wallers, and they check them every couple of days, and you can almost pattern some of those bulls coming to those wallers in the midday, you know, noon, 1 o'clock, that they're coming in there wallering because it's up high. They're not down low. It's up high in some of those springs that are up there, and uh, they've been able to, you know, score on hunting in the midday over those wallers. Yeah, no, you you yanked that right out of my mouth, dude, man. Is, Sorry, is, brother. <laughs> that's all right, man. Yeah, you read my mind. Great minds think alike because that's exactly right. Those wallows uh, up there in those hills are great midday, and that's generally when those are going to hit those. A lot of those other ones that are down lower, it's when they're doing their feeding and they're rutting at night. Man, if you have a full moon or anything like that, it just uh, goes berserk in those places. So, uh, you know, a wallow can be a heartbreaker. Uh, oh, yeah. You, you got to be careful about, you know, there's some people will set up on them and have had good success. Like you said, people put trail cams on them. But, you know, there's times you could wait there three days and, and they they don't hit that one because they're in another one. But right. what I love I love to mark wallows on my Onyx. And guess what, y'all? I don't know if you've been on Onyx lately, uh, but – you can go on there now and you go look at their waypoints, their markers for, for marking different yeah, things. Oh my God. They have added, <laughs> they went on Instagram and they asked hunters, what kind of markers do you want on there? And we'll give it to you. I mean, they've got marker for rub, yeah. ATV, wallers. Yeah. They got it for a cow elk, bull elk, coyote, bear. I mean, that's right. They gave you the ability to mark all kinds of great things. And so what is good about marking a wallow is let's say that you have, you have shadowed a herd, a herd bull with some cows. You shadowed, you let them go up into your bedding area, into their bedding area. You lay off of those because at about 11, 12 o'clock, that bull with those cows laid down, that's the time he's going to come off because he knows where <clears> his girls are. He's going to come off. That's a great time to call him in. That's a great time that he goes to a midday waller. So if you have wallers marked and you see where they've bedded in an area that's right off of that waller, that's a great, great calling spot, man. You can get over in that wallow. You can do a little bit of calling over there. You can go ahead and start splashing that water with a stick. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, it's, it's really awesome. So that's something to think about there. Yeah, that would be like the ideal situation with the wallers. But uh, do you remember that one year we're packing up, ready to go home? We're down in the flatlands. Oh, yeah. There's, hard, there's hardly any cover of any kind. And we heard a bugle. I go, is that a bugle? One o'clock. <laughs> one o'clock, man. About yeah. 90, 95 degrees. Yep. Wow. And we kept hearing that bugle getting closer and closer. And sure enough, uh, a bull with, with a herd, a couple of uh, satellite bulls in there, too. Yeah. Yeah, got, got some great pictures. <laughs> yeah, we, awesome. we already had everything loaded up. You know, we didn't have a chance to uh, go after it. Yeah, we had already killed our bulls. We were packing up. We're getting out of there. And right. uh, and this happens. And we got, in fact, you can see pictures on that bull. If you look at the heading on our website and stuff like that, you'll see a bull out there. Beautiful, yeah, gorgeous. That was him. By. Yeah, he came down middle of the day. Middle of the day. He was like, well, forget y'all staying bedded. <laughs> right. Exactly. We got, we got stuff to do. <laughs> I want to get some water, and it's the middle of the day. It's hot. I'm, I'm a, a waller. Yeah. yeah. 
let's go you do bet. it. Yeah. So that's uh, that that's one great example, man. Yeah, and he came a long way. A long to, way to get there. Mm-hmm. Sure a long, did. long way. Yeah. Uh, so next <clears throat> on our on our list of things we wanted to talk about is that a lot of new hunters really don't understand how to close in on a bull when they do hear that bull sound off. And I know this because, you know, I have a lot of guys with me and the way I go after a bull, they're like, what the heck, man? You know? And so, (laughs) I mean, Gilbert, you've been with me, man. We hear one sound off. What's happening, man? We're rolling, buddy. I'm going to tell you right now, we put it in high gear, as high as my gear will go, which is pretty slow. <laughs> but at the end of the day, we're going to go, and we're going to go till we can close that gap. And, you know, if he's <clears> – <throat> again, if he's just meandering with a herd and mm-hmm. uh, just kind of boodling along, he's not really in a big hurry, uh, we can usually catch up to him. Now, listen, if they're on a mission and they're getting to the top up there, uh, you better be between them somewhere because I'm. It's really, really hard to chase them up, you know. Right. So, uh, but if they're if it's early morning and we hear one, or in the you know mid afternoon, and we're going and we're gonna try to get between him and those cows if he's with cows. That's one of the things that when you're talking to him, you can really determine whether he's with cows or not. You sure. Can, you can really tell if he keeps pushing and he keeps pushing away. 90% of the time, he's got a big group of cows with him. And he's following them, man. He's, yeah, I mean, those cows are going right. where they want to go, yeah. and he's just following right behind them. And, if but you, you hear said, him sounding off several times in the same place, uh, he's he's hanging out. You know, he may have some cows <clears> with him, but he's hanging. And that's the time to really work in there hard on him get in there, you know. Um, I, I think a lot of people try to go in too, too soft, and uh, they, they – they run the risk of the bull leaving the area if they're going in there too soft, you know. So I'm out there. I scream a bugle, a location bugle, and I get a response. Well, what I want to do now is I kind of want to test the waters on that animal to mm-hmm. find out if that critter's coming to me, uh, if he wants to to play, if he just wants to locate. Um, if he's looking for cows. So I kind of test that animal's temperament. So -hmm. the next time that I give one, I'll kind of give a little cow call and then I'll give a, a a bugle that is just a little bit. Now I don't, I don't turn it up hard and aggressive. Yeah. Yeah, But I might just do it just a little bit more there to actually sound like more of a roundup type bugle Mm -hmm. for, the animals that I have, like Mm. telling him I have cows and and I'm not worried about you. I'm just tending my cows. So I'm not calling at that bull. I'm more talking to my herd. herd. And then I'm going to find out, okay, now that animal is going to sound off again. If he still just does that location bugle and he's off a little bit, man, then I want right away. We are closing that. Guys, I wear tennis shoes. (laughs) we're going to get after it he ain't lying (laughs) (laughs) and we're going to get after it we're going to close the gap and what you want to do is you real and understand this i have blown up situations because i've gone in so hard and i thought the animal because he bugled in a different direction was further than what he was and you come up and you come around the corner and we're face to face yeah i've i've had that happen i've blown up situations but I can tell you this, because of my aggressive style, 
I've created a lot more situations than I've blown up. Yep. So we're going to close the gap. Huh, Chad? Right. Yeah. And we're going to get in, and we want to get in at least 200 yards off that animal, 150 yards, before we start to change our pace. Yep. Because once I figure I'm within 200 yards of that animal, now I'm getting ready to be what I call in his bubble, you know, in a zone. And I, I might just make a little cow call at that point just to throw that out there and to find out if he's going to answer that call. And then I can tell from his temperament and how he responds back, whether he's like, oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we yeah. got us one here. Yeah, bring, you know? <laughs> bring some more of them girls up here. <laughs> yeah, or yeah. or whether he's, you know, he's going to start being aggressive or, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and find out now, is he still coming or am I going to have to go in? Does he, is he making sounds like he has cows with yeah. him? Yeah. If so, you know, now it's time for me to start again doing some of those things like raking, Yep. doing those low noises, doing the cow calls. <laughs> so I start figuring it out from them. But let me tell you what, guys. Do not come from deer hunting land, hear an animal, and start stalking in on it because by the time you get anywhere, all you're going to have is dust and dirt and <laughs> ain't going to yep. be no critters. Okay? Gandhi, yeah. yeah. You know, I can't I – also, one of the things, when you're, when you're diving in there on him, if you can tell, be listening – He'll, if he's got cows with him, they'll start sounding off too because those are his centuries. I mean, they're going to be on the lookout for him and, uh, and, and be they're, – they're, they're just so sharp with their eyes. So you got to really be careful. No, you know, make sure you're checking your wind as you're closing the gap and also be looking for those cows too because <clears throat> if they're on the flanks or, or with him at all, they're going to be looking. And uh, the, they don't miss much at all. So – be be kind of cautious about you know i think your ears can help you out there more than anything if you can hear that herd mewing and uh soft mewing and you know calves give themselves away they're so vocal and, uh -huh. and noisy uh, -huh. uh and I, what i don't want you to do is just turn a deaf ear or a blind eye to him having some company and then rolling up in there and blowing the whole thing up yeah. you know mm -hmm. what were you gonna say i was gonna add that uh you know if you come in uh stalking silently and very very careful you know you take one step and that's probably about uh, a foot or two well every step you take they're taking 10 steps so they're getting further and further away that's why you want to close that gap right, right. and you know people are like well what about the noise aren't you worried about your noise no i'm not in fact i have already told him that there's another elk in the area elk are noisy critters and when i start <laughs> When we start running in on that, we're making noise moving through that they're going to hear. It's just going to sound just like other animals there. Again, once I get in tight. So you just got to think about it like this, man. You're kind of guesstimating where those animals are. And, man, I always, like, haul and try to cut off as much as that. I try to get, as, 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 if I can, two-thirds of that distance cut off. Now I'm slowing down the pace, and the main reason I'm slowing down the pace is not because – uh, I'm worried about him hearing me or anything like that. It's because I want to hear them, like Gilbert was saying. I want to hear if there's any cow sounds, if he's doing any kind of raking, if he's doing any kind of chuckling, or I can hear that bull walking in as well, you know, doing stuff. So Yeah, perfect scenario. Uh, long story short, my first bull I ever killed 
we had him talking to us the whole time. And he just would not kind of, he just wouldn't bow the knee and come the distance we needed him to come. And for us going to him was not an option because of where we were strategically. Finally, Joe got him fired up and he started rolling and, but he started rolling in a different direction. And Joe knew, knew the terrain. And he said, I know exactly where he's going. And I want to tell you something, people, I don't run very well in those, in, the, in all that <laughs> brush and everything. You've got a razor strapped to the end of an arrow and we actually ran. I'm talking pulled out sprint. We're going here slid up into an area where we'd already had set up. But when we slid into that area, into that deadfall, we knew he was coming. We looked up, and, and sure enough, he pops right out of where Joe thought he was. I mean, this was like if you could have scripted it, it didn't go any better. Right. And, uh, but we had, to, we had to cut the distance, make the call, get him aggravated and, and, and interested. And then it was almost like he really didn't care too much that we were there but he was, ha- he was on a mission, and Joe knew where he was going. Well, and, uh, and our, our noise of us running like that, that sounds like another bull heading to the same yeah. area he's going, and that actually brings him up a little bit. I, so. I think so, because when he came out, man, he had his head up, and yep. he was looking for whatever it was, talking back to him. And, and we were pretty smart in having uh, one of your Montana decoys up there. On I the had side. set it up, right. And he saw that decoy. And when he saw that decoy, man, he didn't even, he didn't even think. I mean, he, he came straight to us, and uh, Joe said, well, are you ready? I said, well, heck, yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> and I said, well, I'm going to stop him with a cow call and cover your draw. And uh, when I do that, you go ahead and draw. And it was, it was priceless, one of the best moments of my hunting career. Uh, but it was because we were aggressive and we stuck with it, you know, and we did all of this uh, – on reading him and getting to where we needed to be, right? right. Closing that distance at a very – and, look, I don't go fast, but I'm telling you, that day I was going fast. Yeah. So I, had no, I, had no, I had no dadgum choice. Joe was pulling me like a like a freight train down through there. So Yeah, it, when it's time to move, you get moving because there's yeah. only so many opportunities, and the That's more right. you, you, know, you keep creating that. And I, the and I'm rest glad is you, history. He's right there. <clears throat> yeah, he's right there behind you, huh? <laughs> you know, in fact, I talked, uh, I was on a podcast the other day, uh, the Where to Hunt podcast, and Eric Clark had asked me about my most memorable hunts, the hunts that really stick in my mind. And what I had told him was really, I think, two of my most memorable memorable hunts were one time when, when I brought a bull in for Chav to kill and, and bringing that bull in that you're talking about right there. And mm. they were, you know, to me, seeing the success of you guys was probably one of the most memorable, most enjoyable, fulfilling moments that I had. So uh, going now, we've talked about closing in on that bull. And there's something else that I, that I want to talk to here as, as, we're, as we're coming down to the end. And yeah, one of my favorite subjects. Yes, yeah, sir. Counting coup. And uh, if you guys have never heard about counting coup, the Native Americans believe that the bravest act that a brave could do in battle was to touch his enemy without killing him. And that just showed how brave they were to go up and be able to touch that enemy and get away with it. And, and I, I've always thought about that. And 
you know, throughout my hunting career, our hunting career, um, it's been a big part of what I do because I have taken a lot of animals and, but I have counted coup on hundreds and hundreds of animals. In other words, I had that animal in shooting, killing, distance, shot, and I've even, Drone. I've even pulled back without an arrow. I've, uh, I've pulled back without a bow in my hands and I've counted coup. I knew that that animal would be an animal that I could have taken. And I've done this in a lot of off season situations and I've actually done it in season. You know, I I've said, I, I don't pass on a lot of animals, uh, but there's certain times I've have because it's, you know, it's first day of a 11 day hunt. And, you know, uh, I, I really want to just keep working the hunt and I'm willing to work for a, a more mature bull, uh, until about day five. And then, yeah, uh, and everything's on, on the table. Yeah. But I'll tell you this, you know, before I only had five days to hunt before I had right. to be out and guide. Right. So, I, I didn't pass anything at that time, man. I mean, if it was, if it came in, it was going down, but Brown uh, is down, <laughs> but there's so many opportunities that you're going to be close to cows or you're going to be close to spikes or you're going to be close to raghorns. And th there's so many people that feel like when an animal comes into 50 yards, man, I better shoot it or I'm going to lose that opportunity. And what I love about counting coup on animals is you find out really quick that that's not always the case, man, that, you know, if you just are a little patient, you're going to end up with a 20 yard, with a 15 yard, with a 10 yard shot on that animal. And you learn how to read their body language so that when you get in that situation where they're 50 yards out and all of a sudden you see that nervousness or they've stopped and they're starting to urinate. Yeah. Well, now you know that the situation's different, you know, just by learning the animal and mm -hmm. we've played with them so many times in the off season, you know, calling cows and right. different things mm -hmm. like that, playing with bulls. It's uh, And you also develop the, the habit of uh, placing yourself in a position where you could make the shot. Uh, I, I think there's a tendency for a lot of hunters to hide behind something. Right. And when you do that, you limit your your uh, your shooting lanes. That's the first thing that I found strange when I first started was I'm supposed to stand in front of the tree yeah. <laughs> instead of behind the tree. Right. Yeah. So you know that's a if you're gonna close the the deal, you know you gotta you gotta have your shooting lanes. You gotta be yeah. in front. I think last year one of the guys had a oh, an opportunity God. for a really close shot. Oh my God! But he was standing and he had a branch right in front of him. Well, look, I mean, Chad, we don't we don't sit in front of those junipers. We don't ever get a shot at the right. bull I killed. Right? Exactly. I mean, we yeah. put ourselves in front of it, and the bulls are you know at one time they were twelve feet from us. Yeah. You know? So <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, we we put ourselves in the right position. But most guys would sit behind those junipers and try to hide. And then you're not going to ever get a shot. Right. We could have counted coup last year just oh. by reaching out with a stick and 
tapping him on the- <laughs> yeah basically yeah. you guys you guys did count coup on it because and, oh, yeah. and that happens yeah. a lot <clears throat> a lot of you guys out there what's going to happen is you're going to end up in a situation where you're you're basically in a herd you've got cows around you've got small bulls maybe you're focused on this big bull that you're working and really you get an opportunity to count coup on multiple animals and yeah. learn about those animals just in that time and I think what it does is it really helps you have more of an inner calmness. And, and I don't mean, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't mean you're not going to get excited, right? but it just helps you being in proximity of these animals without like Gilbert says, everything going out in your butt crack. Right. Oh man. So, <laughs> I'm telling you. I think yeah. the more encounters you have, uh, you know, you've said this a thousand times, Joe, when, when you get one under your belt, it gets easier. But I think the more encounters you have, the better you can control your heart rate, the better you can control your focus, right. uh, everything. For me, it's about zeroing in on that animal. Once I make a decision and that's what I'm going to do and, uh, you know, I'm going to harvest that animal, then it's never about looking at anything other than where I need to be with uh, with my shot placement. Right. And, you know, I, I, in all of these years of mine, I, I get to a certain point a zone of focus when I have an animal in front of me uh, and I get in a uh, I get in a mode an instinctive mode and it's funny I'm so focused at that point but man once that shot's made that's when you kind of fall apart. Oh, man. Oh, my God. The Venezuelan mafia call it Vidalakis. Yeah, man. I have I shot a deer uh, last year with my son, uh, we were setting up in a, in a tree stand on the river down at the Noasis river. Chav sat up in it a couple of times and I shot a deer there and I'm telling you, it was so intense because he was so on edge when he came in and we just never thought we were going to get a shot opportunity. When I finally got drawn on him, which was a feat in itself because he was so nervous. Uh, and I finally got drawn on him and I had to hold for about two and a half minutes till he finally stood right. And then I cut it loose. As soon as I cut it loose and we knew that he was hit good and he almost went over and fell over immediately. I'm telling you this, that endorphin released in, in, oh, the, yeah. I almost <laughs> passed out, Joe. I'm serious. <laughs> the, you know, the little pins you see and everything. I'm telling you that it's a real thing and you need to be prepared for that. If you're standing on the side of the mountain, you better sit down because <laughs> it's a long way to the bottom. You know, right. I did tell that story of that, that first <laughs> big bull that I shot that, you know, that, that one that's hanging back there. And, uh, yeah. um, <clears throat> you know, at the time, when I released that, I never hardly remember releasing my arrows. It becomes so instinctive and everything with what I do that I usually don't even remember the the thought of releasing. But I can remember after I, after I hit that animal and I could see in slow-mo him digging in, him turning out, you know, seeing that fletch buried all the way uh, and running out. And after that play through, I literally fell backwards on my back, just kind of like hyperventilating, trying to pull it all together, man. Know. You know, it's uh, it, it's it's an incredible experience, and and that's what we live for. Mm-hmm. That's why we do this, and yep. you no, know, that's that's way cool. It's if I ever quit getting excited like that, I don't think I need to be doing this anymore. Well, so, you you were talking about having experiences with others. My my first experience that no doubt killing this bull up here was 
an amazing experience. But the first bull I ever called in, Joe, was oh, yeah. the chaff. Yeah. And uh, I'm telling you, I'll never forget that as long as I live. Not only was it an epic journey to get there and back, but at the end of the day, uh, we we called. We didn't call just one bull in. We called a whole herd in. And uh, it was crazy how, how it all unfolded. But that was one of my most memorable times. And then, you know, last year uh, and the year before, creating a party for Chav and, under, mm-hmm. you know, having that bull come in and, and, oh, yeah. and silhouetting us on the decoy and all, all <laughs> oh, yeah. of that. But those are the things that I live for, man. Yeah. And I, yeah. I get more excited doing it for other guys than I do just for myself. And I was going to talk about that, too, when Jeff brought up about the decoys, you know. Um, yeah. You know, I we use decoys, and for, we'll, we're going to actually do a podcast on on decoys, talking about some different methods. But that's the one time that you can be behind something because you're going to use other stuff behind you, breaking you up. But it is amazing what uh, how you can get away with so much behind a decoy when you have an right. animal coming in. Just, <laughs> just, just make sure you. just make sure you don't have the sun behind you so it's silhouetting you you go know, uh, right through that decoy. I yeah. why that bull stop and look. <laughs> oh he looked what in the world. So so Gilbert's talking about we we me and Gilbert we had Chav in an area and we found some bulls. We had spotted them and so we set Chav up in front of us and I went up on the hill and, and Gilbert went off to the side into the trees. And basically, we're painting a picture. We're telling a story about uh, some bulls that are up there uh, with some cows. And these bulls start coming in. And I'm up on, on top of the hill. And it's first thing in the morning. The sun's coming over the rise. And, yeah. and it's just this beautiful, beautiful morning. And get these bulls to come all the way in. And they're coming into Chav, man. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, this one bull stops. And he just kind of looks at me and his head starts going back aside and, you know, and he, he kind of gets this whole different walk to him, you know, and starts circling and going over into the trees. I'm like, what the heck bookered that animal, you know? <laughs> and the sun, a big, beautiful sunrise was coming up directly behind me. So oh. when I held up that Montana, all you could see was my silhouette coming through <laughs> that decoy. <laughs> oh, so, guys, uh, we tell you, man, uh, we try to tell you guys these things because we've made just about every mistake there is. And, yep. you know, uh, it's not that we're so smart. It's not that uh, we're pros at this. Uh, we've just had a lot of experiences and made a whole bunch of mistakes, and we're sharing them with you. So and keep learning every time. Keep learning every time. We're right. Yeah, put that in that memory bank, man, yep. and, and uh, draw from it when you get in those situations. Yeah. Um, that was a, a fun, epic time. Uh, that's what that's the things you live for. You know, you see the bulls, you get them to do everything you wanted them to do, and they are closing the distance. We we'll probably needed him to go another 15 yards, yep. uh, maybe 20 yards for Chav, and he and he was coming. But when as soon as he caught that silhouette, I mean, it was like, oh, look like any cow I've ever seen before, <laughs> right? So, yeah. all right, guys, unbelievable show this week, fellas. Uh, can't can't wait for next week's show. Uh, Want to thank all of our listeners. Uh, be sure to send us all of your questions at info at elkbros.com. Please yep. rate and review. Those five star reviews are huge for us. We're just a few a uh, few away from our ten thousandth download. So oh, you guys, that's keep, right, man. You guys keep rocking on. Let's get to that ten thousand uh, download this week. 
from Joe and Chav in New Mexico. I'm Gilbert Ornelas here in Spring, Texas. God bless all of our grinders out there. Kiss your wives. Wives, kiss your husband. Hug your babies. Keep your broad head sharp and your powder dry. And we'll see you next week right here on Blue Collar Elk Hunting. See you guys next time. Next time. life that has the stories to back it a life to be proud of it's a winchester life yeah baby six eight western oh, i'll be over there baby right there tune in every tuesday at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv